0: Good morning, church. Are you all well? Are you good up there on the balcony? Yeah, are you good down here? Are you happy online? Happy Easter. It's Easter Sunday, and it's so good to see you all. I just want, before I do anything, I want to fill this room with the Word of God. Can you turn in your Bibles if you have one to Luke chapter 21? Luke chapter 21. Are you ready? We're going to start with the words of Jesus this morning, and we're going to fill this room with his word. Luke chapter 1, 21, verse 9. When you hear, Jesus says, of wars and rumors of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen, but the end will not come right away. And then he said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilence and epidemics. In various places and there will be fearful events and great signs. Whisper under your breath, great signs. From heaven. Verse 28, when these things begin to take place... Jesus said, I want you to stand up. I want you to lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Church, can I ask you all to please stand? Just stand, and if you're watching online, I know this may be awkward because you may be just sitting so comfortably, but I'm asking you to stand because I'm going to pray in the minute at the beginning of this message rather than just pray at the end because I believe there's something about standing up. In Habakkuk it says, I will take my stand, I will stand up, and I believe there's something about the church in this hour that needs to be in a posture of standing. Habakkuk said, When I'm standing, so I may hear what he may say to me. While you're standing, I'm going to read one more scripture. And it's in John. Sorry, it's in, yeah, John chapter 20. So Peter and the other disciples started to the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind them, arrived and he went straight into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head and the cloth that had been folded up by itself. The cloth that had been folded up by itself. Do you ever read the Scripture and think, what does that mean? There's so many nuances and little details in the Scripture which are there very deliberately, but often we don't realize what they mean. Do you know in Jewish custom, if a king was eating a meal, every Jewish boy knew that there was a certain custom about clearing the table and how to serve the king. And if the king got up from the table, he would do one of two things. He would get the cloth, he would get the napkin, he would get the serviette. And if he was done, he would just discard it. And the servants, the people, would know the king is not coming back. But if he folded the napkin... It was a sign he wasn't done and that he was coming back. In this passage, it's very deliberate that the napkin, the linen, was folded. And in that custom, they knew the fact that it was folded, there was a sign for them to know and for us to know that Jesus is not done. He is coming back. And I'm here this morning on Resurrection Sunday to bring good news. Yes, there may be terrible times. Yes, there may be wars. Yes, there may be rumors of wars, but the instruction from Jesus is do not be frightened. And when these things begin to take place, I want you, church, to stand up. I want you, church, to lift up your head. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your church across the, the earth. And Lord, in the midst of this epidemic, pandemic, in the midst of frightening times, in, the, in this time of uncertainty, I thank you that you are the victor. I thank you that Romans 8:11 says the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now at work in us. I thank you, Lord, that you are more than a conqueror. I thank you that we that you that we are the head and not the tail. I thank you that the greatest days are to come. Lord, I thank you that all creation is waiting with eager expectation for your church to arise. I thank you that our greatest days are ahead. I thank you for your people, God. And I thank you that even when we are hopeless, you are the God that brings us hope. I thank you that when we were sick, you're the God that heals us. I thank you that when we're hurting, you're the God that eases our pain. I thank you, Lord, that you turn our mourning into dancing. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I thank you for the finished work of the cross. I thank you that it is finished, that you said to tell us by, it is paid in full. And God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you. Our Lord, I ask that this day, Resurrection Sunday on April 4th, will be the mark for each one of us, individually and corporately, of a whole new season. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. Church is great. It's so, so good to be here. A friend of mine who's here in the room told me a couple of weeks ago, now when you come to Bath, Dan, you you, you need to realize that people have been in lockdown and they haven't even seen each other for 14 months. And you know, your, your normal effervescent, positive, excited self, maybe tone that down. But I want you to know that both the US government and now the British government have tested me and shown that I am actually negative. Five times I've been tested before I got on a plane, after I got on a plane, then again, then again. And every time I'm very negative, so I'm gonna try and, I am negative from coronavirus. I've been tested and proven, but I am actually, I'm sorry, very excited because the best is ahead. And I believe this is an hour for the church to stand. It's an hour for the church to rise up. Oh, it's been 14 months since I've been here, 14 months. And I just want to say, church, just staying in contact with many of the leaders here, it is such a joy to hear how well you're doing, about the way you're loving God, even through these tough times, how you're loving one another through these tough times, how you're loving your community through these tough times. Can you just applaud one another just for that, just because all up there on the balcony and online, so good. Oh. I uh, was with uh, Jonathan Horsfall last night, and And I hadn't seen him all day, and I said, uh, because I had to be in quarantine for five days, so I couldn't see people. But the last few days, I've been able to meet with some of the leaders, and I just had a fantastic time. But last night, I said, Jonathan, how was your day? He said... Mate, it was so good. I said, why? He said, we went to Victoria Park. And he said, it was kind of like the baggage claim when you get off a plane and you see loved ones and everybody's hugging each other. And of course, we weren't allowed to hug, but it was just this celebration of the sun is shining. It's a new day. Families, it's like, we haven't seen you for so long. He said, it was glorious. And as I sat there, I welled up and I remembered about 18 to 24 months ago, I remember being here in Bath and thinking, what this church family needs is a pastor, a couple that are true shepherds that really love God's people. And I actually said to some people, it's to a pastor that can be there amongst the people. When the people gather, and like in Victoria Park, and you have a barbecue, and you, and you get together for a picnic, that the shepherd is amongst the people. And Jonathan didn't realize it, but last night I welled up and I thought, it's happened. And church, I just want to honor, where are Jonathan and Ruth? This, they're going to embarrass them. But you have amazing shepherds here. You have amazing pastors. You really, really do. And, and you know, church, the history of this house has had many true shepherds, true shepherds. True, and by that I mean they love God's people. They will lay down their lives for God's people. And I I just want to say, I want to suggest it's perhaps a little rarer than we might all think. I'm not just talking about good leaders or administrators or visionaries or prophets and, and, and apostles and all these other ministries and titles that we give people, but a true shepherd that absolutely loves God's people, and that is Jonathan Ruth. Jonathan Ruth, can you please stand? I'm going to embarrass you just because you need to hear this. You are loved and appreciated. You're a call and appointed by God. I also just want to honor the amazing team around them, the other elders, the leaders, the staff, and most of all, God's people. Can you just give it up for yourselves? Come on. Amen. By the way, Fee sends her love. Uh, she is fast asleep right now. She's actually preaching in the States this morning on resurrection power, and uh, she's excited, but she does send her love, and uh, she is going to be with me again uh, the next time we come here, which will be sometime in July. We're planning on coming for a few weeks together, so, but she sends her love to you. She's doing extremely well and gets better looking every day, and I love her, and I miss her, and she is awesome, but she does send her love. All right, are you ready? I, I, I'm, rather than just preach a message, I, 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 I sat this week listening to people and, and listening to the Holy Spirit Say, God, what are you doing? And I, really what I want to do is stir you today. Everyone say, whisper, mm, stir. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, consider how you may spur one another on towards good, good deeds. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints, but actually meet all the more as the day approaches. John chapter 10, verse 10, which is one of the most simple yet profound scriptures in the Bible that Jesus speaks, and he says this, the devil comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I just want to say it as it is right now, when you look at the state of the world, it does appear sometimes that the enemy has the upper hand. Sometimes in the middle of battle, it can feel like, are we winning or losing here? Sometimes it feels like I'm being pushed to shrink back when I want to stand up. But there's another part of the Scripture where Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life. And you may be here this morning, or you may be, you may be watching online and thinking, yeah, I, I, this, is, this whole last 18 months... There's been a, t- a time where I feel like a thief has come. I feel robbed. I feel stolen from. I feel destroyed. My business has been destroyed, but I have come, Jesus said. My health is gone, but I have come. The devil comes to steal my hope, but Jesus says, I have come. And church, I want to tell you this morning, he has come. Every time that you, you look at the reality of the cost of this particular battle... It ends with, but I have come. And church, I want to remind us that we win. I've read the end of the book. We win. Yes, we're in the middle of battle, but we win. We, I've read the end. We win. It ends well. And yes, there's been losses, but we still win. But, it, but it's so hard. I, I've just lost, I've lost this. And yeah, but I have come, Jesus said. The devil comes to steal, but I have come. The devil comes to destroy, but I have come. Church, he's come. He's alive. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you have lost relationships, but Jesus says, But I have come. Some of you have loved have been attacked and and had things take you feel taken from your own for emotionally and spiritually and physically and financially and mentally. But Jesus says, I have come. And I want to, I if, if you could just hear that this morning, just keep your eyes on Jesus because he's come. He's able to sympathize with our weakness. He really does care about the small little things. My assignment today is just to remind us to stand up. As these things are beginning to open up, as we've coming to this end of these lockdowns and, and isolation, which has caused many problems for many people, it's not good for man to be alone. God wants us to be together, but in battle sometimes, those things happen but I, my, 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 my provocation to us this morning is that as we start, things begin to open up of how we come out of that lockdown, how we come out of this season. Isaiah 43, which you may have heard so many times in this, in this whole season, is, behold, I'm doing a new thing, though it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And there's a key word in there, and it's this word, I am. Isaiah the prophet says, Behold, I am, says the Lord, doing a new thing. Who's doing a new thing? He is doing a new thing. I want to provoke us to not make things up that we think he should be doing or that we should be doing because of the state of being when we're in lockdown, when we're disappointed, we're trying to deal with all these things. This can't be God. Maybe he's just doing something new. Yes, he is. But make sure that we follow what he is doing rather than just going and doing something and then wondering why that didn't work either. Yellow. Jesus says no one puts new wine into an old wineskin. If he does, both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, you put new wine into a new wineskin. But when I've heard these scriptures, behold, I'm doing a new thing, or it's a new wineskin, I think we automatically try to to apply it to funny things. The wine and the wineskin was to do with the teaching of the old covenant. Jesus says, I've come, I'm the new wine. There's a new way of doing things. It's a new way of teaching. And it's me, Jesus is the new wine. But church, can I suggest sometimes when we're not gazing and fixed on what he is actually doing, we minimize that to how we arrange the chairs or where we meet or how we meet or what we're doing or what we're not doing rather than looking to what he is doing. Because he is doing a new thing. God is always doing a new thing. Paul prayed, and taught us to pray in Ephesians chapter one. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know Him better, the hope to which He has called us. Exciting. There's more. He's doing a new thing. So, can I encourage us in this time as we gaze upon Jesus, as we look to what He is doing, because He's speaking. I'm going to share this this morning. What is God saying? But that we don't, in our frustration, and why is this happening, minimize what God is doing and thinking, well, maybe it's the size of the building or if it's the, or it's the sound of the PA or if we meet in homes or we meet in a, in a big auditorium and we just get into this cyclical pattern of just going round in circles rather than saying, God, what are you doing? If you're doing something new, what is it? and that we follow you rather than making something up and then wonder why God's not there. But church, one thing is for sure is God is with us. He's with us. So I want to encourage you. Behold, God says, I am doing a new thing. What is he doing? What is he saying? What is he going to do? In Luke chapter 4, is the story of Jesus when he comes up out of the waters of baptism and then he's led by the Spirit to be tempted and tested in the wilderness? You may have heard this during this time I'm just in a desert season. Everything's terrible. I got no food. I'm alone. Watch this. If, we're going, if you've been in a desert season, which I know is real. If, we're in, if we have, we've gone through many of the things that Jesus went through, those testings, those trials, there's a key of how he re-entered and came back. And this is it. He came out full of the Holy Ghost. Can I suggest to you as we come out of this season, we come out full of the Spirit. Then we come out full. It's like, man, that was tough in there. That was a rough season. Yes, there was losses. Yes, there was pain. Yes, that really cost me. Why? Because the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that I have life. They have life. And I'm going to come out of this season alive. I'm going to come out this season full of the Holy Spirit, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm going to come out. Here I come. This was a, I've been tested with fire. I'm coming through the refiner's fire. Jesus is perfect theology. If he went through that season and came out full, then so can we. Because he is with us. In 2 Kings chapter 4, do you remember the story of the woman who was with the company of the prophets with Elijah? Her husband was. And she goes to Elisha and she says, Elisha, my husband who was with you is dead. Think about it for a moment. She's suffered loss. She's lost her husband. And she says, Elisha, now our creditors are coming to take away my two boys. And Elisha goes... What's that got to do with me? And she said, I'll tell you what has to do with me. I have nothing. And he said, you don't have anything? She says, well, except, everybody whisper, except, a little oil. And Elisha says, then go to your neighbors, and I want you to get pots, I want you to get vessels, I want you to get cups, I want you to get everything you can, and I want you to go into your house, and then I want you to shut the door. And that little bit of oil, I want you to pour it into those cups and those vessels and those pots, and... You see what will happen. And this was the miracle. There's so much in this. This lady that was in pain. This lady that's suffering grief. I've gone through major loss. I've lost my husband. And he didn't leave me anything except a little bit of oil. And Elisha says, take the little bits and and, and do what I'm instructing you to do. And I will turn that which is not enough into more than enough. And church, I want to tell you this morning, not only can we come out of one season and we can come out full, but we can also go into, in this season, before we come out, there's an instruction here. Go into your house and shut the door. That before we actually can all go back to, to, to a new normal, to use this season when the door is shut, What does that mean? It means the door is shut to voices and choices. The door is shut to fear. The door is shut to negativity. I'm going to go in and I'm going to close the door because there is a little bit of oil. And I promise you, church, there's a little bit of oil in your house. Why? Because we're born of an incorruptible seed. And the Holy Ghost is living inside of us. And if we will stir that up and say, God, I'm going to pour this into every area of my life that is empty. We will end up in overflow. And he says, go now and pay your your debtors off. And you can live off the rest. You can live off the surplus. Church, this is an hour. This is a moment. It's a kairos moment where we can seize the day. We can say, okay, God. I'm going to start shutting the door before the door opens, before I'm out. I'm going to be careful what I let in. Jesus says, when you pray, shut the door. Shut the front door. Shut the back door. Shut the doors in your life that are, are causing this fear to come in and say, God, here am I. There's a little bit of oil. Church, we, re- we are, the, the, the church is the answer. There's, the, the cavalry aren't coming. We are all God's got, we're the best God's got. All creation is waiting with eager expectation for the sons and daughters of the king to stand up. To say, we have an answer. Does that mean we don't comply? Absolutely not. Does it mean we obey the laws? Absolutely yes. But there's, there's a prescribed way, and I want to stir us this morning, that before this season has ended, that we come out full. We come out alive. Maybe it's criticism that door, the door needs to be closed. Maybe it's bitterness, hopelessness, anger, unforgiveness, argumentative. That's not fitting in the kingdom. That's not being full of the Holy Ghost. But behind closed doors, where are you? Behind closed doors, who are you? Whew. Here's another one, 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the springtime when kings go out to war, David stayed in bed. Church, as I just said, this is a season and it's coming to an end. And as this season comes to an end, a new season will begin. In Genesis it says, seed time and harvest, cold and winter will never cease. Seasons were set in creation and they will never cease. God is the God of seasons. Yes, this season has been rough. Yes, this season has been tough. But But before we enter the next season, it's really important that we don't miss this one. In the springtime, when kings go out to bed, about to war, sorry, David stayed in bed. On the 20th of March, springtime began. On the 20th of June, summertime begins. Isn't it somewhere around the 20th of June that things shift here? So we're still in spring. Read this for yourself, church. In the springtime, when kings go out to war, David stayed in bed. David is behind closed doors. It was springtime in the time when kings go out to war, and David is king. What is David doing in bed if in springtime is the time when kings go out to war? Listen, church, when we're not doing what we should be doing... Temptation is just around the corner. This is a season, the springtime is a season under the ground where things start to come to life. Things start to to bud. In the winter, it's a barren season. It's a dark season. Many of us have been through that. It's a season when you look out, everything just seems dead. But under the ground... Under the ground, things are beginning to germinate. Things, the ground itself is resting. Why? Because it knows springtime is coming. In the springtime, when kings go out to war, David stayed in bed. And because he stayed in bed, he slept in late, opened his doors, went out to his patio, and he looked down and saw Bathsheba. And we still have problems today because of that decision, because micro decisions have macro consequences. In that season, David was not doing what he should have been doing. Church, we've got some season left for this springtime. Before the doors open. I want to I provoke us. Use it well. Use it well. I'm not being legalistic at all. I love having fun. But you know, there can be an apathy. You know, God says to... God says... God says to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37 he says he takes he says the hand, of, uh, the hand of the lord was upon me and he took me to a valley of dry bones they were very dry and he walked me back and forth and he said son of man can these bones live and Ezekiel like like many of us says well only you alone god know God says, no, 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 that's not enough. I want you to speak to those bones. You prophesy to those bones. And he did as he was commanded. And we know of an army that would have been slain, the Bible says. It was a fighting force. It was a unit that had been struck down. After he prophesied to them, it says they stood to their feet. Now what? Sometimes in church life, we stand as an army and we're like, yeah, yeah, this is so great. And then we get defeated again. But I I, I believe God is wanting this army to start marching, to start going, come on, let's go, all of us together. Let's finish this thing. But in this season, we can just become apathetic. We can become hopeless. He who has the most hope has the most influence. We're the salt and the light of the earth. You know the word amusement, during this lockdown, I've had lots of things to, to amuse me. You know the word muse means to think. Amuse means to not think. So amusement means to not think. I'm being gentle with this because I just want to provoke us, right? You know, to spur each other on. In the back of a cowboy boot, there's spurs, and they jolt the horse to get the jolt. I, that's what I'm wanting to do today, all right? I want to provoke us. God is provoking me. I feel provoked. I have to live this too. You know the word entertainment is that which tain means to take a hold of. So entertainment is that which enters you to take a hold of you. And I want to suggest that we, we can get stuck in a season when we're not doing what we should be doing like David... And we get into amusements where we're just not even thinking. And life is going by. God is wanting to speak. God is wanting to do and fashion something inside of us. But we get found asleep. That's why the Bible says, awake, awake, O Zion! Come, clothe yourself with strength. Put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, what there is? A, I believe there is a spirit of despair even in the church. But Isaiah says, I've given you a garment of praise, a garment of thanksgiving. You get up in the morning, stand up your feet, first thing you do out of bed, and start, just start saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that I'm no longer a slave and a sinner, but I'm a son and I'm a daughter and I'm a saint. Thank you. Thank you that I've got life. Thank you that I can see. Thank you I can hear. Thank you I can taste. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my, thank you for my church family. Thank you for, for blessing me financially. You know, your atmosphere in your own body will change because something happens when we thank the Lord. You know, the word sozo means saved, healed, and delivered. The one that came, said, came back to say thank you out of the lepers but it was made whole. Everyone say, whisper, mm-mm, whole. So rebellious. <laughs> Do you know? I was talking to a friend of mine, we were at Bible school together, and she'd driven down to see Fee and I, and she gave me a book that she wrote, her name is Pat Broom, some of you may know her, and and, uh, she said, um, she said, Dan, you'll enjoy this, and I said, what's it about, Pat? She said, well, there's lots of, it's just about my life, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm older now, and I just, uh, I want to reflect on some things, and she said, I wrote a chapter on integrity. I said, I said, that's amazing, I said what is integrity? She went, mm, mm, mm. Dan, 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 what do you want to know? I said, you know, it's like identity, integrity. We know what they mean, but really. She said, Dan, there was a couple, and they were driving along a highway in the United States, and they got to a KFC, and they stopped for lunch, and they went in there and ordered a big bucket of KFC. You, have, you know those big buckets, not if you know what I'm talking about, big buckets of KFC. And they got their food and they sat out in the car and they drove about 15 minutes. And as they were eating through the KFC, they got to a, he, he realized there was a false bottom. And, and the bucket it was like it was a lid shoved halfway down. He thought, he said, he said, he, he said that's weird. And he pulled it off and, and he looked and there was like literally rolls of money, like $50 bills thousands of dollars in in elastic bands so he was like what So he drove to the next exit, he'd already gone 15 minutes, turned around, and went back 15 minutes. So he's half an hour out of his way, he walked into the KFC, and he stood in line. And the lady said, is there something wrong with your chicken, sir? He said, no, I'd actually like to speak to the manager. She said, the manager's busy. He said, I'll wait. She said, it might be a while. He said, I'll wait. The manager eventually comes up and says, sir, is there something wrong with your chicken? He says, no, can I please speak to you in private? The manager said, sure, come back to my office. He sat down, shut the door. And he said, sir, um, I was driving down the highway, got about 15 minutes, love KFC, but look what I found in the bottom of the bucket. To which the, the manager put his hand on his face and smiled and he said, oh my goodness. He said to stop people coming late at night, if we ever got robbed, which has happened in this area recently, there's been an increase in crime, we tell our staff that every time you get to so many thousands of dollars, I want you to put it in a bucket and put it at the back where all the buckets are stacked, and at the end of each day, we'll put them in the safe, because if we get robbed, they'll go to the safe, and there won't be any money in there. And he said, but sir, what integrity and the man said, well, I've always learned, my parents taught me that if something doesn't belong to you and you keep it, that's stealing. And the said, "I said, well, can you just wait here a second? He came back, he left the room, came back, and he said, I've just had my secretary call the press. They're, gonna, they're actually on their way. They're so excited because in this town, isn't that a great message to our community that there are still people of integrity? And he said, oh, well, uh, and he, and he was just kind of just there with uh, uh, just trying to take it, all this in and then the door opened again and the secretary said actually the chief of police is coming as well and he said well, well why is that? and they said because he's just so excited and he wants to be with you for a front page picture tomorrow night over the weekend for the whole community to see and the man stands up and he says actually I have to go and he says, just wait a few minutes, they're actually almost here. He said, no, 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 I'm gonna be going now. And he turned to walk away, and the manager walked after him, tapped him on the shoulder, he said, Sir, what is going on? Why didn't you, don't you want to stay? The man looked at the manager and he said, Because the woman I'm with is not my wife. You can have integrity, I can have integrity, we can have integrity in one area of our lives, but not in another. The word wholeness, the word integrity, actually means wholeness. Can I provoke us, church, as we leave this lockdown, that in this season, that we grab the season that we're in and we say, God, do a work in me, everything you need to do, let's clean house. So when I come out of this season, as hard as it's been, I'm going to come out like Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to come out bitter. I'm not going to come out jaded. I'm not going to come out hopeless. I'm not going to come out arguing. I'm not going to come out having to be right. I'm not going to come out jealous. I'm not going to come out out whole. But careful what enters you. Careful what you think about Peter in 2 Peter. says, this is my second letter to you. In the first one, I tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking. Philippians says that whichever, whichever is good, whatever is pleasing, whatever is whole, think on such things. Church, I want to encourage us as we leave this season and enter into a new one that we come out having God fashion something inside of us. Coming out full. full Jesus came out full of the Spirit, full of love, joy, peace, patience. You know, two, two Sundays ago, I was here in isolation this last Sunday, but I, was, I prepared in the week to speak, and um, some great stuff is happening in, in church life and in, in our community, and, and, and it's really, really exciting. And uh, I was just tired. I knew I was going to England. I had some other travel things I had to do, and, I, and my body was just tired. I was just Starting to get exhausted, and I thought, I need to get a really good night's sleep. And I'd just fallen to sleep, and I was about an hour into sleep, and the phone rang. And it was, a, it was the police. And they said, hey, listen, is, is this one of your sons? Nothing's wrong. He hasn't done anything wrong. But he's in a car. You can drive at 15 in the States, which is scary. But he said, "One of the ki- there's a curfew at 11 o'clock. And we pulled this car over for a random check. And now it's uh, past curfew. So we can't let them drive home or even be driven home by a minor. Because there's a curfew if you're 15 years old. So you have to come and pick them up. And I'm like, really? On the one night I get to sleep. So now I'm disturbed and I'm agitated. And then I can't really sleep and my mind's going, and then I'm, I have to get up early to, to prepare, and so I get up really early, and then just one thing happens after the dog pukes on the carpet, and now I'm ticked off with the dog, but I feel bad because he's old, and it's like, uh, and so I'm just frustrated, and then I can't really pull my thoughts together, I'm looking at my well, my notes and what God's been saying to me throughout the week, and then, I, and then I'm, and now I'm running late, and then I, I can't, and the, the dog's, you know, Puked up in one of my shoes, now I'm even more mad. And then I'm going downstairs and there's no milk. And then I go upstairs and, I'm, and now I'm running late. And my son, who will remain nameless, decided to use my shower. There's other showers in the house. Why do you have to use my shower? So the door's locked. I'm like, I'm already late. I'm frustrated. I haven't prepared. And I'm ticked off. And he said, Dad, what's wrong with you? Why are you so upset? I said, because it's my shower. And he said, I know, but you don't have to get upset about it. I said, because the bar, the shower drains really slowly. And so then it has all this scum in it. And then it takes half an hour. I don't have half an hour. So I have to stand in your scum. I don't like that. And it's cold. It's gross. It's weird. I shouldn't have to do this. I've got to speak today. Don't you know? I've got stuff I have to do. Then I went and showered in another, I'll, I'll shower somewhere else. And now I'm late, and the meeting's already started. And then I go outside, and someone's taken my car. Where did anyone take my car? It's my car, buy your own car. And then I get to the meeting, and the door is locked. Like, who would lock the door on a Sunday morning? Like, how are people going to get in? Where's the welcome team? So I go upstairs, and I think, What's wrong? Who's leading the meeting? I don't know. I can't even see anyone who's leading the meeting. So I stood at the back and I said, Who's leading the meeting? And the person goes, Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. What's wrong with everybody? She goes, Wow, you're all right there, Dan. I'm like, Yeah, I am fine. I was like, Right. Let's look at my notes before I bring the word of the Lord. I open my Bible. Yes, I'm speaking on patience. I'm like, they're wrong, I'm right, I shouldn't have used my shower. And I suddenly became acutely aware that I was in no fit state to speak to anyone about anything, let alone the, uh, a, a whole group of people gathered to worship God, and And I thought, Lord, I really need you right now. And I thought, I just, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and find somewhere in the corner where there's no one around and I'm going to get on my knees. So I went and got on my knees. I thought, I'm just going to pour my heart to God. I got down on my knees and my jeans ripped right from the groin, right the way up at the back. And I just heard it rip and I was like, no, no. I'm wearing orange underwear. No! And I look at my website, I've got four minutes. I've got about four minutes there. I just know how this goes, the tithes and offerings, and then the announcements, and then I'm going to get up there and speak on patience. You know what? I actually felt God laugh at me, not with me. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha! And you know what? I just broke, and I thought, God, this, you're funny. you You think this is This isn't funny. And I just told the story to the church. You know, what's he doing? What is he doing? Behold, I, I, everyone say I, whisper I. God says I am doing a new thing. Not we're doing something new. He is doing something new. You know, these last... Something's am- amazing and mag- uh, just, just beautiful has happened in meetings, just sovereignly by God. Young people started to go to a meeting and started to gather. And the presence of God would come with so such weight, people would just fall on their knees and begin to cry out. To begin to laugh, to begin to sob, to get, just, just, just sovereignly God moving. Meetings, midweek meetings. People just walking along the, along the road, just getting touched by the presence of God. And more people would come to check it out. And girls would be coming, chewing gum, like, this is so weird. Like, what's going on in here? What under the vape shop, Close. <laughs> what's happening to me? <laughs> oh, my God. And then fall on the ground and, like, boo-hoo cry for, like, an hour in the presence of God. What's God doing? People are like, what happened? I, I don't know. God just showed up. He, he, just, he just began to, to move. We had a lady on our staff. I know some of you listened to it last Sunday. I was, in, I was here in isolation and she'd never preached before in her life. And she said, I, she began to shake in a, in a meeting. She goes, I've I just, I, I just got to share what's happening to me. She said, I, I, I've lost four stone, and people keep asking me, What did I do? What diet? She said, I didn't do a diet. I just met Jesus and he just touched me so deeply and I'm not even trying to lose weight. He, he's just changed my life. And last Sunday on a Sunday morning, she started to talk about how she was just going home and, and drinking and drinking and, and, and gone back to smoking cigarettes and, this, and, this, and, just, uh, and, uh, and doing other things. But she, and God says, I just want all of you. And she just began to weep in his presence and God began to touch her. And she looks completely different. You can listen to the podcast, I know some of you did, and it's just, just her life. She's just half crying the whole time. You'd think she was a great preacher. She's a great communicator. It's just flowing in the Holy Spirit. This is what God did for me. He changed me. Another one of our young people was in the gym and just met somebody who was just pumping iron next to them, and they ended up kept talking and talking about it. and they ended up coming to the meeting and just, just got touched by God. Just in the presence of God, just... People just hanging out, and suddenly they broke and fell on their knees and went home and told his dad, I don't even want to do this anymore. I've just fallen in love with Jesus. His dad fell down and cried and said, that's all I've ever wanted, just that you would know God. Then his dad comes to one of the meetings. He said, could I give you a hug? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sorry. He said, I, I, I'm, this is my son, and, and I just wanted to say thank you. I said, I didn't do anything. Is God is doing something. Church, he's he's doing something amazing. There's there's a pastor that I know really well and been walking for him for a few years. He got so hurt by the church. He got so hurt, you know, leading a church and people don't care about me. And in the end, he said, I, I'm having problems with my health. I'm having problems with my kids. I'm having problems in my marriage. And I hadn't seen him for a long time. And then he talked to me one day. And he said, I just, I know this is going to upset you down, but I just want you to know I'm no longer a Christian. I've renounced the faith. I've lost everything. I've lost the church. I lost my house. I lost my marriage. I lost my kids. I said, bro, can we talk? He said, no. I don't need convincing. I'm done. And his daughter went to a youth meeting. And God just touched her. Not because someone prayed for her. She just walked into the room and said, what's going on? And she fell on her knees and God just began to touch her with his love. And she went home and she said, daddy. Daddy. Struggling with mental illness, this, this teenager was. She said, Daddy, I've just met Jesus. He said, he came to my office. He said, Dan, I fell on the, on the floor with her. And I said, I love him too. I never thought you would be the one that would bring me back to him. I'm doing a new thing, the Lord says. Parents coming asking to see Fee and I. What's happening? Uh, c- can we see you? We're concerned about our daughter. Uh, yeah, come and see us. Came around to the house. What's going on? Uh, we're just very concerned. You know, I don't mind. He said about if I, my daughter, you know, smokes dope. I don't mind if she, you know, um, hangs out with guys. I don't really care what she does, but, but, but she's, she's been coming to these meetings. And uh, she's very different. I said, sir, I don't actually know your daughter. I don't actually know very much about her. So could you tell me exactly what's changed? I'm nearly done, guys. And he said, yeah. He said, she's always happy. And his wife went, she's always happy. She just walks around. She's always singing. She's, and she's she just, she, we just don't know what's happened to her. I said, is that a bad thing? And they said, well, we just don't know how it happened and just want to make sure she's not in a cult. I said, listen, you can come You can come and see. We can just give her what, what she's reading. Well, I'll send it to you. You can read it for yourself. You know, well, she wants to get baptized. I know you can come. We can, yeah. Come. It's on Sunday in the swimming pool. They come. She gets baptized in water. They're just there. They're crying. You can come on a Sunday. They come on a Sunday. There's something happening. I was in a coffee shop the other day, I'm quite an introvert, I love my time on my own, and I was there reading my Bible, just studying, and, the, and I was aware there was another person on the other side of the room, and he, he just, uh, and, I, and I looked up and he, he was just staring at me, and, and he was, he, his eyes, he had like tears in his eyes, I said, I said, um, how you doing man? He said, he said, good, just stared at me, I'm like, great, cool, went back to what I was doing, and he said, um, I don't mean to be weird, what's your name, told him my name, he said, I just feel like there's something, I just feel overwhelmed. I said, "Oh, I'm sorry, man." And I put my pen down. I said, "What's what's going on?" He said, "I just feel overwhelmed with love." He said, "I'm not weird. I'm a married man." I said, "I'm not. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying this to you. I just feel. I feel. I just feel feel overwhelmed by love." And I realized that God was doing something. And I said, "Sir, what you're encountering isn't me. It's the love of God." He said, "Is that what it is well i don 't even know god I, I don't know even i don 't know you know do you call him Jesus or Father or holy Spirit i, I don 't really really know anything, but I, I just uh, I, I just feel overwhelmed and so I talked to him and he began to cry and he said i've just never felt like this before. Can I meet you again? So I met him a few days later and we chatted some more, and then I never talked to him about. Coming to a church meeting, I never said come on a Sunday. And on Sunday morning, he, he had my cell phone. And he called me. He said, oh, "My son's hockey practice has been cancelled. I was wondering if I could go to. Is, is, you do you go to I, what is it? The church? I'd like, I'd like to come along to church. Does anyone have to go? Do you have to wear any special clothes? Do you have to? What, what, like, what do I? What would I have to do? Am I allowed to be there?" I said, "Sure, just come." He said, "Where's the address?" I gave him the address. What time is? It? Gave him the time. And he comes up. And that morning, we were welcoming like 82 people into the church, and everyone was giving a testimony of what. God God is doing and it's all really happy and exciting and, and and he's just stood at the back like this and I went up to him and I said hey man are you all right he goes yeah yeah I'm good I said you want to sit with me down the front he goes no just baby steps I'm good here right I didn't, you say so you're a pastor right I said I am he said do I call you father I said no you don't have to do that you can just call me Dan." He said, right, text me after. That's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Never experienced anything like that. Now, we had a prophet in recently, a man named uh, Julian Adams, and right at the end, he prophesied about what was going to happen. And one of the prophetic words was that God is going to bring builders and architects and and people to come and help us. A few days later, this same guy um, I've just been talking about um, called me. He said, I'm in the car driving back from Ohio, and I've just had this amazing feeling. He said that I need to do something for the church. I said, oh, what's that? He said, well... Do you know what I do? I said, no. He said, I'm a commercial developer. I said, amazing. He said, and I want to build you guys a building, massive, bright, something that's awesome for, for you do what you did, like that thing, you know, when everybody's that thing with the love of God and everyone's like that. I said, okay. Now, I'm, I've still got a little Brit- British cynic in me, so I'm like, we'll see what happens. Well, the next week he calls me, he says, hey, I've got the architects, they're all coming. Can you meet? So we met, went around the building, they started drawing things, and I said, all right, guys, what's the catch? How much is it going to cost? Nothing. I said, this is free? And they said, well, we'll talk about the building later, but the main thing is to get it through planning. Last night, last night, 12 hours ago, he texts, the plans are done, ready for submission. I'm like, God, you're amazing. God, you are, this is, you are doing something New, you're doing something cool. There's something happening. We didn't meet the other day, God never even saw. So he said, Oh, I want I want to say something. And he and someone says, Has Anyone got a testimony? And and he walked to the front and he just goes, Yeah, I completely effed up my life. Like, but he said the whole word. So everyone was like, ooh, I actually thought it quite funny. Anyway, so he said, Oh, pardon my French, and then carried on talking. <laughs> so he left the next day he came back to another meeting, and I said, hey, you're the French guy, right? He goes, no, I'm not from France. I said, but you speak French. He said, no. I said, oh, because the other day you said, excuse my French. Oh, he said, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were the pastor. That was a terrible thing to say. I thought it was great, I said. In fact, it's one of my favorite parts of the meeting. And he said, why is that? And I said, oh, I'll tell you another time. Somebody else came and said, hey, Dan, someone's stolen my handbag. I said, awesome. What? That's cool. And they went, why? I said, because this means something's happening. It's starting to get messy in here. Church, are you ready for mess? We keep praying for revival. We keep praying for God, for, the, for the, the, the lost to get saved. And when it happens, it gets messy. Let me read this to you, and I'm going to close. In Proverbs 14, it says, When no oxen are plowing, the stable is clean." If there's nothing happening, everything is clean. And it gets messy when stuff starts to happen. Are you ready for some mess? Are you ready for for some disturbance? Listen, church, this will come to pass. This season came to pass. Whisper to yourself, it came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. This season we've been through Will pass, it came to pass, it will come. The devil does come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. But I have come, yes, he's stolen, but I have come, yes, he's he's destroyed, but I have come, yes, he's stolen, but I have come, church. He's come that we may have life, resurrection life. Whoa, sorry, too excited. Oh, I'm closing. You know, in in, in Daniel chapter 7, says this. Before the ancient of days comes, the enemy will come to weary, to weary the saints. Everybody whisper, whisper weary. I know I've talked about this over the years here, but weariness actually means to make old before it's time. And I'm going to pray in a minute that weariness will come to an end today. I'm going to pray that apathy will come to an end today. For those of you who feel this isolation has locked you up and shut you up, that it will come to an end today. Where hopelessness has come in, where despair has come in, it will come to an end today. Weariness means to make old before it's time. Weariness is not tiredness. Tiredness, you can have a good night's sleep. Jesus became tired, but Isaiah says, I, the Lord, do not grow weary But church, weariness means to make old before it's time. I personally believe that that weariness is actually demonic. It's something that gets upon us to make us weary, to cause an army that is standing for battle to go back down on its knees, to say, I can't do it. Hope is gone. I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm struck down. Paul says, we're hard pressed on every side, struck down but not destroyed. Persecuted but not abandoned. And then Paul says for these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Church, it came to pass. Church, this season is coming to an end. Can I ask us all, as we started a while ago by standing, can I ask you all to stand to your feet? If you're at home watching online, can I ask you just if you can, if you're able, just to stand to your feet? Just close your eyes. deep breath, springtime is here, winter is over, the best is just ahead, for these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, if you read in chapter 11, Paul lists what those light and momentary troubles were, they're pretty intense imprisonment, abandonment, nakedness, hunger, thirst, rejection. And he says, they're light and momentary compared to this. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. The devil comes, but I have come that you may have life. Oh, Before we go today, I I don't want to miss an opportunity to give everybody that's listening today or listening at another time or later this week an opportunity to make a choice today. It's April 4th. It's Resurrection Sunday. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now a work in us. It's a work in us. It's a whole lot of power. And if you're here today and you you, you, you don't even know what I'm, all I'm talking about because deep in yourself it's like, I sound so good, but what does this mean for me? I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know this Jesus, he, he's just a figurehead, he, he's, he's the Christmas guy, right? I, I, I don't know him, I, 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 can't, I can't, I haven't encountered him like, like, like I'm hearing today, but today you can and it's a choice and I want to give that opportunity, I remember a story of a, of a little boy who grew up in a village. And in the village, everybody knew that there was a wise old man, and this wise old man knew everything. There was nothing that the wise old man didn't know. And as the little boy was growing up, he thought to himself, there's no way that one person can know everything. I'm going to see if I can catch him out. I think I'm going to do something. He thought to himself, if I go and catch a butterfly, and I catch the butterfly in my hand, I'll go to the wise old man, and I'll ask him, wise old man, is the butterfly in my hand, is it alive or is it dead? And if the wise old man says, it's alive, I'll squish it with my finger without him seeing it, and then he'll be wrong. But if he says, it's dead, I'll open my hand, the butterfly will be alive, and he'll be wrong. So the little boy caught a butterfly, and he went to the wise old man's house, and he knocked on the door. And this big door opened, and there was this lovely, kind, wise old man. The wise old man looked down at the little boy. He said, hey, son, how can I help you? And the little boy stood there trembling, trying to get the confidence. He said, wise old man, uh, I have a question for you. Is the butterfly in my hand alive or, or, or is it dead? The wise old man said with a smile, son, life and death is in your hands you need to decide and if you're here today just close your eyes church if you're here today on easter sunday wherever god finds you today whatever season you in or been in whatever trial or challenge today you could make a choice. You can say this, Jesus. I don't fully understand what it means that you came that I might have life. But I do know I don't know you. And I do you know that I've got stuff. That's blocking me from you. And I my and I, and I think I understand that that's why you died on the cross to clear that space, to carry my sin. You became sin for me. You carried my shame. That's the truth. He carried our sickness, he carried our shame, he carried our sin so that as Jonathan said earlier, we could have access to him. If that's you, can you just? pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, today, on Resurrection Sunday, I give you me. I give you me. I give you my whole life. Maybe you're at the end of your life. Maybe you're close to the beginning. Maybe you're young. Maybe you're old. Wherever you've been, he'll meet you there. And say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Will you take away this shame? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you for today. I thank you this is a glorious day. Just lift your hands to him if you can, church, wherever you are. On Resurrection Sunday, I thank you that the best is just ahead. The best is yet to come. I thank you that you always lead us into ultimate triumph. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And I thank you for this house. Lord, I ask that you'll do everything that you can in the rest of this lockdown shutdown. So as we re-enter and we come out, that we will come out full of your Holy Spirit as an army that stood to her feet. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Can we applaud Jesus in this place? Amen. Love you, church. We'll see you in July.